One of our greatest joys in life is hosting people in our home for a meal. And, and for that reason alone, Patty and I cannot wait until all of the pandemic restrictions have been lifted. We enjoy spending time with our family and friends in our home. And my wife is in her happy place when our house is loud and full. And you know, it's always hard to say goodbye after those events. After a time of fellowship, it's, it's hard to, to, to send people on their way. And, and you just keep thinking of things that you want to say as you're walking your guests to the door or, or maybe walking down the driveway to say goodbye. Oh, one more thing. And the conversation continues for another four or five minutes. They get in the car, and roll down the window, say goodbye. Oh, one more thing. As Paul comes to the end of his letter to the Galatians, he keeps thinking of one more thing to say. Galatians 6 is his conclusion. He's wrapping up. He's closing out the letter. He's finishing his message. And I think his mind is filled with a myriad of things that he, he still wants to say in the final moments of his dispatch to the Galatians. He ended chapter 5 with this challenge. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, then literally we will walk in line behind the Spirit as He leads us. That's the sense of the words here in this verse. Keep in step. Walk right behind the Spirit of God. Line up with Him. Keep in step. Stay in line. Follow Him. Every believer, every one of us, needs to keep in step with the Spirit of God. How, how do we do that, practically speaking? How do we make that work? Well, first of all, keep in step with the Spirit by restoring those who have sinned. This is a very pragmatic, others-centered application of Spirit-filled living. Have a look at Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So, those who have more maturity and more experience in the Christian life are in a good position to help their troubled brothers or sisters who've messed up. We should not simply overlook fellow believers who've been caught up or, or overtaken by sin. I don't think it's helpful to just ignore someone who's drowning in their sin. But nor should we aim to, to judge them or expose them or condemn them. Rather, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. And this word restore is a very interesting word. In ancient Greek, it's often used for... Uh, uh, it's used in the description of, of resetting a dislocated bone, of setting a, a dislocated bone back into place. Ooh, and you just kind of cringe at the thought. A, a dislocated shoulder can be extremely painful, and putting it back in place will cause even more pain, but it's a healing pain. And so when Paul uses this specific word in this specific passage, it means something specific. <laughs> it means that we are, we are to confront and challenge 
fellow Christians who might have fallen into sin, even when that will be painful for them and painful for us. And our ministry must always be aimed at restoration and renewal and, and healing, not, not judgment, not ostracization. Keep in step with the Spirit by restoring those who've sinned. Does anybody come to mind? And second, keep in step with the Spirit by bearing one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, Jesus is the ultimate burden bearer, right? And when a believer bears the burdens of another believer, he or she is the supreme imitation of Jesus. We need to bring the sometimes lofty idea of agape love right down to earth. We need to make it practical right where we live. And, and when, you get under some, when you get under someone else's burden and, and, and begin to, to help carry their burden, then, then you imitate Jesus. You're putting Jesus on display for everyone to see. You're revealing the gospel of God. And it's a good thing. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.24, sorry, uh, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Jesus himself bore our sins. He bore our heaviest burdens. He's the ultimate burden bearer. And you know, you, you know it, it's not always comfortable. It, it's not always convenient or, or conducive to a, a comfortable way of life. But, but every time you bear the burden of someone else, you bear the burden of a brother or sister in Christ, then you are representing Jesus. And you are making his name and his kingdom more famous than it already is. Do you know anybody? Do you know anybody who could use help with their heavy load? Hmm. I'm sure you can. As we near the end of this letter to the Galatians, and we start walking toward the door, there's one more thing. Keep in step with the Spirit by curbing your pride. Galatians 6.3 If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Well, we just can't keep in step with the Spirit when we're all puffed up and full of pride. I mean, you can kiss the fruit of the Spirit goodbye if, if you want to hang on to your pride. The, the, the two don't mix. They don't go well together. <laughs> According to National Geographic, pufferfish, also known as blowfish, can actually fill their elastic stomachs with huge amounts of water, even air, and blow themselves up to several times their normal size. But they also contain a toxin that is, that is extremely deadly to human beings, 1,200 times more, more deadly than cyanide. They say that there's enough poison in one puffer fish to kill 30 adult human beings, and there's no known antidote. Like puffer fish, human beings can blow themselves up with pride to make themselves look much bigger than they really are. And this pride can be toxic to a marriage, a church, 
or a friendship. Galatians 6 verses 3 to 5 are essentially a discussion about humility and pride. If anyone thinks too highly of herself, if she puffs herself up with pride and thinks she's better than everybody else, then she will not have a servant's heart. She will not look around for people to serve in her church or her community. She, she will not even notice the burdens of other people because she's, she's too, too preoccupied with herself. So curb your pride. Mortify your pride. Better yet, better yet, just take it to the cross and leave it there. Furthermore, keep in step with the Spirit by supporting those who teach the Word of God. Years ago, in farming communities all across the country, it was pretty common for members of a church family to support their pastor with beef and eggs and bacon and chickens and all kinds of stuff, vegetables from the garden. Well, today we, pride, we, we provide in other ways for those who preach and teach the Word of God, and frankly, I'm, I'm quite uh, happy about that. Paul said in Galatians uh, Verse 6, Galatians 6, verse 6, he said to the believers, Let the one who's taught the word of God share all good things with the one who teaches. And sometime later, Paul would write to young Pastor Timothy, one of his protégés, and say in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So in the closing moments of his letter to the Galatians, Paul wants to make sure this church family understands their biblical obligation to provide for those who preach and teach the gospel. And frankly, this just gives me another great opportunity to say thank you to the gathering for your tremendous generosity and your strong support in this regard. We, we all need to bring our tithes and offerings into the storehouse because, because it honors God. It brings honor and glory to God when we're obedient in this regard. Okay, so as we stand on the porch now, ready to say goodbye, there's, there's one more thing. Keep in step with the Spirit by sowing to the Spirit. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You know, our, our capacity for self-deception is frightening. It's scary, isn't it? The story of Adam and Eve hiding from God behind their skimpy clothes and their even skimpier excuses, well, that's the story of our common human experience. We've all done that. And that's why Paul warns us, do not be deceived. You, you, you will reap what you sow. So be careful what you sow, and be, be careful to sow to the Spirit. Don't sow to the flesh. Sow to the flesh, reap corruption. Sow to the Spirit, reap eternal life. But what does it mean 
to sow to the Spirit. Well, we could go in a number of directions here as we consider the New Testament teaching on this, but, but in the immediate context, in this immediate context of Galatians, sowing to please the Spirit of God and bring glory to God means serving one another in love, Galatians 5.13. It means restoring those who've been trapped or caught up in a sin, Galatians 6.1. It means carrying the burdens of others, getting underneath their burdens and helping them along. It also means giving generously to those who teach in the church. That's what it means in this context to sow to the Spirit. So may I ask you, are you sowing to the Spirit these days? In this season of your life, are you sowing to the Spirit? Don't forget, you reap what you sow, so sow to the Spirit. We must keep in step with the Spirit by restoring those who've sinned, by bearing one another's burdens, by curbing our pride, by supporting those who preach and teach, by sowing to the Spirit, and last but certainly not least, keep in step with the Spirit by doing good and not giving up. Galatians 6, verse 9 and 10. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, every, every home needs at least one can of WD-40. And this is an unpaid advertisement, I assure you. Every, every home needs at least one can of WD-40 in the, in the cupboard. I have, I have several. Does anybody know what WD stands for? It stands for water displacement. WD-40 um, prevents corrosion by displacing water, water displacement. And, and what about the 40? Anybody know what the 40 is, is about? Well, back in 1953, when WD-40 was being developed, a chemist by the name of Norm Larson tried a formula, different formulas, 39 times. And he failed 39 times, but on the 40th try, he was successful. WD-40. And the message in, in that story is so, so clear. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't quit when you're tired. Don't quit when you fail. Don't quit when you're discouraged. Don't quit just because you face opposition. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, and especially, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Friends, while we wait for Jesus to return, while we wait for him to come back, let's do good. And let's not give up doing good. Verse 10 makes it absolutely clear that our first priority as a church family is to the household of faith, our brothers and sisters in Christ. The family of God is our first obligation, but it's not our only obligation. We must care for the family of God first but we must also take care of our neighbors and co-workers and fellow students. Let's not grow weary of doing good, okay? 
You know, this verse has, has encouraged so many people here at the gathering throughout this pandemic. It, it, this verse has prompted many of our people to call their friends on the phone and just check in, to, to deliver care packages, to provide pizza to group homes, to create baskets of hope and drop them on somebody's porch, uh, to stop in the fire hall just to say thanks, to arrange for meals to be delivered, to invite people to a party on Zoom, to write encouragement cards to doctors and nurses attending the, the uh, ICU, to join a prayer meeting and pour out their hearts to God together. We've done all of that here at the gathering and much more. So in these last days of the pandemic, my brothers and sisters, let's not grow weary of doing good. Keep your, keep your shoulder to the plow right to the very end. Why? Because we follow Jesus and he gives us the strength that we need to care for other people. He will strengthen us. His grace is sufficient. Many years ago in the Welsh countryside, a woman who lived in a remote village felt that it would be worth the time and worth the effort to get electricity installed into her home. I, I can't even imagine living without electricity these days. Several weeks after the installation, the power company noticed that this lady was not using very much electricity at all. And so they sent a worker from the power company to go see her. Is there a problem, he asked. Oh, no, heavens, she said. We're perfectly satisfied. Every night we turn on the electric lights so that we can find our kerosene lamps to light them. <laughs> Honestly, we're prone to do the same thing. We, we depend on God's Spirit to save us, but not to sustain us. We, we turn to Him to get us started in the Christian life, and then we, we depend on our own strength to produce fruit. Well, it doesn't work that way. Scripture urges us to live every day by the Spirit. Scripture urges us to keep in step every day with the Spirit. He directs us and leads us. We must follow and obey. We need to plug into His power and leave the switch turned on. So today we've talked about... We've talked about restoring a brother or sister who sinned. Were you, were you thinking about anyone in particular at, at that moment? If so, then live by the Spirit and do what He tells you to do. As we talked about bearing one another's burdens, did a name or a face come to mind? Know anybody who needs help? Then keep in step with the Spirit. And what about curbing your pride? Ooh, we all struggle with that from time to time. But if we walk in line behind the Spirit, if we get in line behind Him and follow Him, He will show us what to do with our pride. We talked about the importance of supporting those who preach and teach the Word of God. And you know, our church is so generous. I've said that in a thousand different ways, a thousand different times. Our church is generous. But maybe... Maybe God is speaking to some of us about the need to systematically tithe or bring offerings to those. We, we give a loony or a toony or a 10 or a 20 here and there. We, we, we support the church, but we're not doing it systematically. 
And maybe now's the time. Maybe now God is speaking to you about really getting behind the ministry of your local church. And there's one more thing. Before we say goodbye, there's one more thing. We talked about not, we talked about not giving up. We talked about doing good and not giving up for any reason. So I'm wondering, what is God calling you to, to do? What good things is God calling you to do? I believe God's been speaking to some of you this morning about doing good. Doing good to a neighbor, doing good to, to a, a fellow worker. What might that be? Let's not grow weary. Not now. Folks, we're so close. The pandemic has lasted far too long, but we're so close. Don't give up doing good now. <laughs> we're almost there. So may the Holy Spirit, the living breath of God, breathe new life into your willing soul today. And may the presence of the risen Lord come and renew our hearts and make us whole again. Galatians 5.25, the challenge. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Every believer, every single one of us who has trusted in Jesus needs to keep in step with the Spirit of God. Then and only then will we experience growth in the fruit of the Spirit of God in our lives. So be it. Amen.